0: If Morrie supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts.
1: Blah blah blah. The blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. The blah blah blah. Good vibes. The
2: blah blah blah. Good vibes. <laughs> the blah blah Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
3: hey this is what i'd like to do this is you know i I want your blessings in it it sounds silly but i have seen entire paracons fail in ontario because they didn't ask the location for permission
0: okay guys welcome back to the grand america show we are gonna be chatting with a uh, wizard. A little bit later, Brett, Brett Yakabuchi, Brett with one T. Uh, fun chat. It's a good one. We get onto some wizard stuff and some general living rules and just like uh, you know, it's one of those classic Gram American chats. Turned out to be a good one. With the, you know, actually, I got to mention someone mentioned something about the Alex Kazemi chat. Is that his real name?
2: I think so. I don't know because
0: it's so close to the Alec Kazam. <laughs> Oh, wow. Alex Kazemi. Alec Kazau. <laughs> anyway, someone commented out of the YouTube. I fucking cracked up. I don't know why, but...
2: That's pretty funny. It, yeah. it is pretty funny. I mean, maybe it's just meant to be a magician.
0: He's just meant to be magic. Anyway, what's, oh, the, diff- the, so what's the difference we, between a magician and a wizard?
2: Well, a magician is technically, typically your traditional, like, who the guys we were talking about? illusionists, illusionists? That, Yeah. yeah. You know, but I like a mage would be more of what he, what Alex Kazami might be, or like the traditional esoteric.
0: And Brett's more mages. like a Merlin type or a.
2: Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he he's a wizard. Yeah.
0: Like, uh hmm. okay.
2: That's a good question. I really don't know the answer, but I'd like to think. All your like Dungeons and out. Dragons and you don't well, know Well, that's the different. There's thing? no magicians in Dungeons and Dragons, like oh. a wizard or a sorcerer. What's the difference between or a, a wizard warlock, and a sorcerer? Or a warlock. One you have inherent magic, like you you are you're pulling it from the ether. The other one, a wizard you learn from books. Like a wizard you study, you learn from books, you write down your spells, like it's all learned. So a sorcerer's like a more possessed? You're more no, you're more like you're in tune with the you're Getting it more inherently. Ah, so right? a wizard's like more
0: like a teacher. A study,
2: like, you, yeah. Where you you go like, to a wizard school those who can do, yeah. and a wizard's exactly, more like exactly. those who can't
0: teach. You got to actually put yeah. in the work where a sorcerer's yeah. just like,
2: Pew. yeah, like wizard, you have to study your spells, you have to prepare your spells, and a sorcerer just, a sorcerer just does sorcerer, what he wants. You just have like a certain amount of hmm. magic power, kind of. And then a warlock is kind of more like a sorcerer in a way, it does different types of
0: magic. It's like a cross between the two, a hybrid?
2: No, not really. No, no. no.
0: You know, you're more I might,
2: like a pact. You have a, a warlock. You more of a pact with a an entity or with a
0: an otherworldly creature. Once we get the studio resorted, I might take a real run at at uh, your guys's D and D stuff.
2: Fuck, really?
0: I might sit, not playing. I might quietly observe a couple of them and see if there's any media value to them, and if it's worth my time to start recording them and doing something with them.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: But no falling asleep then. I don't you fall You talk asleep. to those guys, wake them up, have a buzzer or something.
2: No, that doesn't work, yeah. No?
0: Yeah. What do you got to get? You got to get like, maybe you could get one of those vibrating eggs, like the ones you put in the... <laughs> <laughs> and have them like in your pocket so you could buzz at them from home or buzz Grimstake. You just phone his number and this thing in his pocket starts vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think they have the ones now that you could get those sex ones so you could like buzz your wife while you're at
2: work. Exactly.
0: Anyway, I digress. So, what do you got?
2: Well, I mean, did you introduce me?
0: Graham Dunlop. Did you? I'm too tired today. I I just, I don't think I did. I skipped it all. Graham Anti Gun Dunlop.
2: Well, I got, I got, I mean, I got feedback, uh, about our Kizemi show and Ooh, the guy jump. talking about, about, it's kind of more about, uh, he's giving us, a, um, advice on how to astral travel, that type of thing, which kind of fits in with this wizard episode, you okay. know? So I thought maybe, do you want me to go into that? So this is from Slang and Az, Slang and Zaz. Slang and Zaz? <clears throat> yeah. It's about sleep paralysis, which is important. Totally. Advice about that, so because I always ask that when we come up with these people. Let's right? hear it.
0: Are you just reading those so like, off your phone now?
2: No, this is in uh, Instagram. Oh. So, so hey guys, I was listening to your show with Alex, Alex Kazam,
0: Alex Kazam,
2: <clears throat> Alex Kazami, where you're talking about sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is the gateway to astral projection. <laughs> I meditate myself into sleep paralysis on purpose to induce an out-of-body experience. I've had at least a thousand self-induced out-of-body experiences with no drugs. The key is to lose the fear. The fear keeps you paralyzed and in your body. Once you have complete confidence that you have supreme control over your soul and the disembodied consciousness around you and your experiences, you will feel loose in the body and be able to pop right out and explore wherever whatever you are able to handle. I've had success teaching people how to get sleep paralysis, how to turn it into the trippiest and most amazing experience they will have. I highly suggest to read about some astral projection the next time you get sleep paralysis. So you know what it is and how to control it. Also, I love the podcast and what you guys are bringing to the public domain. Keep it up. So I asked about how you can do this. I thought it was a great idea. He says, basically start with relaxation technique. I lie in bed and start by breathing in and tending and tending my feet. On the out breath, relax them as much as possible. Then move to your calves. And as you breathe in, tense them. When you breathe out, relax them as much as you can. Do this to every muscle in your body, including your face and back. Man, I used to do this. My dad taught me this technique where you'd go, you would say like if I had a, when I was a kid, this just came back to me. If I had troubles going to sleep, you'd say, toes go to sleep, go to sleep, toes Ankle, go to sleep, go to sleep, ankle, and I go up to my whole body by the time I got like halfway up my legs, I'm just like, You do this to yourself? Yeah. It's just oh,
0: hammer. maybe I'll try that. I don't usually have trouble sleeping. I had a bit of trouble sleeping last night. I was pretty excited to go hunting.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. So do this to every muscle in your face, including when, when you've gone through every muscle, start over at the feet again and do the same thing. Really try to focus on relaxing. I, I would never make it through that without falling asleep. As much as possible. How long does it take? Like a
0: half an hour?
2: Well, it takes a couple minutes. You'd think it would
0: take at least 10 or 15 minutes to go through all the muscles.
2: By the end of the second time going through your muscles, you should feel super relaxed. From here, keep focusing on your breath. I like to imagine breathing in colorful energy on the in-breath and continuing to relax my body on the out-breath as much as possible. This all works on visualization and being able to not get stuck in random thoughts. Stay focused on relaxing and breathing in energy and any thoughts that pop up, just acknowledge them and let them go. Do think about them and focus on breathing. Maybe he said he meant do not think about them and focus on breathing. Now when you're super relaxed and focused, you want to induce that falling sensation you get before you fall asleep. That feeling that, like jolts you awake because you think you're going to fall out of your chair or off your skateboard or whatever. Instead of jolting awake, you just don't be afraid and allow your mind to just keep falling. To do this. I like to imagine floating at the top of a well on each out breath, keep relaxing more, but try to imagine yourself sinking down the well, see the hole getting smaller and smaller. Each time your breath, you breathe out and try to actually feel yourself sinking. Eventually you will get it and you'll feel your consciousness and just start sinking and spinning and you'll lose all feeling of your body. From here, you are out. Just try to mentally move away from your body until you're sure you have no awareness of it and open your astral eyes if everything is black and you're having an OBE. Anyway, this is one method that is works best for me, but I've had success with a couple other methods too. Different methods work better to different people. So it's good to try everything. And remember, once you get out, don't be scared. Seldom do I hear of people not being afraid the first time getting out. There were times my consciousness was pounding so hard I had to snap myself out of the trance just to make sure I wasn't killing myself or destroying my brain or something. I've always been fine. The first time was scary for me, but after I was sure I wasn't going to die, I lost all fear. Interesting. Yeah. So thanks for that. I'll, uh, I'll reply at some point. Good old Instagram. But yeah, I mean, I think that would be good advice for people that have sleep paralysis, you know, trying not to be, not to be fearful and get out of body.
0: Should we go to the postcard?
2: Let's do it. We got to Look at the, the fucking nipples
0: on this MOA. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It's kinda of turning me on. Anyway. Oops. Dropping stuff. Sunday nights in the studio are not a good fucking night to be recording intros. Not enough energy. Sunday. I've used up all my energy throughout the weekend and I'm thinking about work tomorrow now.
2: Well, don't. Just be I'm pre- trying not be to be present.
0: Be present with you and love you.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Dear Darren and Graham, I took a trip down to the British Museum today and, of course, thought of yous upon seeing the Moa Makanaya. The Moai Makanaya? Hoa Makanaya? I'm assuming it's a Hoa Hakanaya. I think it's the Moai, right? I've had an awful year, but your potty made it so much less awful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A monthly donation will be on its way as soon as I am able. Sending you both good vibes. Jonathan S. in London. At Bone Idol Press on Twitter. No need to read. Well, he didn't say don't read. He just said no need (laughs) to read. So, (laughs) thanks, John. Love getting the postcard. And like I say, I love the nipples on this Moai. I must right be a girl. Thanks, buddy. Uh yeah, totally.
2: So speaking of uh, hunting and, uh, in the woods and down at you were down in Texas and then you just went on hunting too. Have we for not talked about time? Texas? I don't yet. think you've talked about Texas, right? you were shooting guns down there.
0: Well I gotta give I mean, a shout out ta- to the in, We did the, the episode and, and we had the yeah. bonus up that came out. So yeah. I went down to Texas. It was a quick trip. Had to go down there to deal with some conference, some um, contact at the cabin stuff with the Snake Bros, and we got to do some barbecuing and some tacos and some shooting at the same time. I got to say it was a quick trip. It was like I yeah, left day and a half. I remember, left I Friday days, yeah. at noon, flew for six and a half hours,
2: yeah,
0: and then like I think it was like thirty six hours later, I was back on the plane heading home. And the funny thing was, I was like on my way to Texas, the whole coronavirus thing's breaking up, so I'm like in Houston on my phone reading about coronavirus. And then I'm like, in Texas, and they're talking about coronavirus in Texas. So when I was down there, I had a real fear I was going to get stuck down there. I don't know why, but it was oh, yeah, flashed through my head. I was like, I'm going to close you know, some right? airports yeah. or something, and I'm going to be fucking stuck down here. Yeah, it was a long, It's a long drive.
2: And little do you know, there's still airports open, and people can come and go from China.
0: Yeah, totally. They're not that much. Yeah, exactly. So, but I had a great time. So big shout out to the Snake Bros and to... Uh, Laura, Kyle's wife, who was nice enough to put up the hospitality and I met the son, Saul, um, stayed at Kyle's house, got to meet the stash. Me and the stash had a great chat. That's their dad. Oh, okay. So we got a, had a great chat about fascists and all the other civil liberties that have been taken away. Wow. We got along great. They had to pull us apart because, uh, we were spouting off. Awesome. And then we went down to try and do a podcast, but I was still all revved up on politics. So, Oh, boy. That's probably why that show got so political, because I went and talked to Stash for a while. But anyway, they got a beautiful place down there in Texas. Of course, shout out to GMA, Archer, um, and Daniel. Actually, I think Daniel's going to come to contact with cabin in Utah now. Nice. And, of course, Archer will be there. Of course, you met Archer in Colorado, so Archer was nice enough to put together a bunch of guns. And uh, take us out shooting for the day. Nice. We went to Chase's property. Of course, you would have met Chase at contact at the cabin as well. So we went to his property, and uh, we stopped and bought some of that Tannerite shit that explodes. And we went out and spent a couple hours just shooting shit. seemed crazy. There was like a house just over there. And I was like, those guys must be getting annoyed with us. Just popping off rounds. Not a word. They were like, no, it's Texas. So, we dumped about 300 to 400 rounds into wow, a pile of really garbage. Right? Jeez. Like I must have shot off fucking 150 myself.
2: Like into literally a pile of garbage or just yeah. garbage stuff?
0: Like, no, it's like a, there was like a garbage pile out in the back of the property. We are just mostly shooting at that and at the Tannerite. We were setting up the Tannerite and trying to shoot that. Yeah.
2: So did they all have a uh, pretty good shots?
0: Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah pretty Good and with you, the steel, you, had, you had a pretty good job, I did pretty good, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was pretty good, David. all my video games paid yeah, off. Yeah, but I, just, I it mean, didn't really help
2: you today when you went hunting because you didn't. When I was a kid, I did a lot any.
0: of pellet gun, so I have a pretty good shot. I've shot a lot of birds and squirrels and stuff with my pellet oh guns my and God, stuff dude, back really? in the day. Jeez. So I got a pretty good shot and a lot of target ranging and stuff you're back gonna, in the they're
2: day. They're gonna be canceled, you're gonna be canceled. People, all the PETA and all the people are gonna come after you
0: for that. I'm gonna get canceled. Oh well, fuck them. um, anyway. Yeah, I'm a pretty good shot. So I shot that one thing and exploded. Kyle's a pretty good shot too. And I mean, it was fun. I got to shoot the AR 15. That was fun. I think you'd like that gun actually. Yeah. There's probably. not much kick. It's just like a little.
2: Well, why why would I be so adverse to the kick? Maybe I like the kick.
0: Nah, I don't know. I don't think you do. I can see, I just see as being a little scared of the kick.
2: I'm not scared of nothing.
0: We should go shooting.
2: Anyways. So you went on hunting today? I did. Yeah, in the woods, all day. Yeah,
0: But I wanted to get to the 12, because I got to shoot the Magnum. Okay. Kyle, you can't have handguns in Canada, right?
2: Oh, okay. But right.
0: Kyle's got like an old school Colt 45 Magnum, so it's like the dirty, hairy one. Okay.
2: Like, yeah, <laughs> a How fucking,
0: was that? Oof, What a feeling of power when you pull the trigger on that thing. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. And uh, the 12 gauge with the 20 shot clip, it was just like, <laughs> it hurt, that hurt my shoulder the most. Wow. The, the, uh. The 300 and the 50 cal have got a really kick. Like, oof. Eat yeah. it. I'm a little skittish on that 50 cal. That's got to be fucking something else. Yeah, I went hunting today. I was up at 5 a.m. getting ready to go and uh seen a ton of, we seen, we were driving into the road, we seen a herd of probably 80 to 100 elk. But it's like. Where'd you go? We went out, to, out by Wipress. I
2: don't know where
0: that is. It's like northwest? way out. Yeah, way out northwest past Cochrane. Okay. Beautiful out there. Beautiful, like out in the mountains for a bit and just walking through the trees and fields.
2: And public land then? like what's Uh, I
0: was on some crown land. Crown land. And then I was on, we we had permission on a lease. So that's the problem. So we were going back and forth from the wiper's crown land to the lease. And I was like, every time we went back and forth. So on the way to the place this morning, when you're just like too close to houses and gas plants and stuff to be shooting off guns, we see a herd of like 80 elk.
2: They know just to
0: hang So on if we would have known them just, if they would have been up the road, we would have been done by 8.30 in the morning, but that didn't happen. And then we went out, and uh, we didn't manage to see any of them on the lease or on Crown land. When we were driving back and forth in between, we must have seen 50. <laughs> I mean, we seen, we seen three or four that were like a quarter mile from the Crown land, and we were like, you know waiting and trying to see if they'll just go over and jump over this fence.
2: You can't lure them over there. You can't chase them over there like Well, Nate can My and, buddy
0: was with me and he's not allowed to do anything. So it's very very strict rules cuz he's fucking white. So he's not allowed to assist me well, in the can, hunt. He can assist me after the can't animal's dead. He can chase bed. the animal? Nope. No. No pushing bush, no chasing well, that's the animal. He and can't bush? even if he sees the animal, he can't even point it out.
2: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. The only reason I'm allowed hunting is because I'm an Indian. So he came out with me because he's got a bunch of guns and he's got a lot of experience. He's a so he
2: can't shoot him at all either. No, like,
0: he just comes and walks with that's me. Like, and, why? Because he
2: doesn't can't wait. Can't we wait people buy? Not a right permit? now.
0: A permit? No, no. Hunting seasons in October, November. That's it. Yeah. October, November. Yeah. But he's nice enough to just come out with me and hang out with me and teach me the ropes and yeah, he knows yeah. how to process the animals and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we were hoping we were going to get a couple deer today and then we were going to, I mean, it, like I say, if those if those couple of deer would have been a quarter mile up the road, we would have been home by 10 o'clock this morning in his garage making all the stuff because he's got all the meat grinders and everything, so we were going to process them and everything. But that's okay. I mean, I had a great time walking around the woods with a gun. Creeping around, being quiet, not be quiet. no cell phones, no, just super present, super, super present. Cause you're like out hunting things in the bush. You don't have time to be thinking about your cell phone bill or your work on Monday or, you know, you're just out in the bush hoping to fuck you find something to shoot.
2: Do you think you would have been able to pull the trigger if you looked at a elk like right ahead of oh, you and realized yeah. like were you gonna kill an elk, dude? A- there
0: was a mule deer and I was humming and on because it was like fucking fifteen feet away from me, but you know I would have got in trouble. Why? Because it was private property that wasn't. We didn't have permission to be hunting on, and someone uh-huh. would have. Someone would have got pissed off. We were, it was somebody some where you shouldn't be shooting off a gun. So
2: you wouldn't have any problem pulling the trigger.
0: No, no. I was hoping to pull the trigger. I'm a little apprehensive about getting in there and doing the guts for the first time, but it's not because it creeps me out or anything. It's more like, I mean, I've been cleaning fish and stuff my whole life. It's more than just that I don't know what to do. So I need someone to really teach me how to do that. But I I got no problem cutting a deer off and skinning it. I'll feel better about that. I actually had tobacco. I bought tobacco to bring out there with me and everything to give gratitude and all that. I'm I'm really stoked to get into it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, wish you luck. So far, nothing, but we'll try again in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Totally. And uh, when I do, I'll bring you some jerky. You can eat my kill.
2: Sure, I'll do that.
0: Will you? Yeah,
2: You're I'll right? eat it, but I just don't want to kill it.
0: Oh, this is Graham and saying it. Someone else can kill it, and eat it. Someone else can kill it and clean it, and then I'll eat it. <laughs>
2: So what do you got? Well, I got it. Well, let's do the project operation operation project. Oh,
0: okay. Well, if you're gonna do that, I didn't think we were gonna get to that on a short. Well, it's intro. just a short one. I got a short I one. Here. If there's one thing that might fall, that would. be I it. know,
2: but I don't want it. I don't want it to fall yet.
0: Well, um, funny enough, I have a jingle.
2: Oh wow! I've never heard this yet.
0: You haven't heard it yet.
2: I'll tell you what'll fall. We'll fall. Uh, the octopus of global control will fall. The quote from that. Operation. Project <laughs> operation. Oh Felix, I can tell it's Felix. Totally. Where's your Michael?
0: No, it's Felix. So he gave us a project operation jingle so we don't have to go to Fiverr.
2: Thanks, Felix. So
0: Pretty what do you creep? Us... It's
2: creepy enough. Yeah. Maybe it'll grow on me a little bit.
0: That must take a while.
2: This is Project MK Often. I'm pretty sure you've heard of that.
0: Project MK Often? Ultra? Often. MK Often? Yeah. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of MK Ultra.
2: Yeah, it's part of it. So, Project MK Often. And this, again, is from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. It's been massaged, I'm sure. And I like that. I like the little uh, bell at the end. So, it was a covert U.S. Department of Defense program developed in conjunction with the CIA... The CIA initiated Project MK-Often in 1966, following other programs parallel to MK-Often. Before there was MK-Often, the CIA created a project called MK-Ultra. So this is MK-Ultra was a predecessor. This is
0: post-MK-Ultra.
2: And that was created on April 13th, 1953. It was then changed to Project MK-Search, which was initiated in 64. I don't know if I remember that a partner program to MK search. The goal of MK often was to test the behavioral and toxological effects of certain drugs on animals and humans. There've been allegations with little or no evidence provided to support them that project MK often went further than just research about mind control, but it branched out into the world of the occult. According to author Gordon Thomas's book, in two thousand and seven, secret and lies, the CIA's operation often was also initiated by the chief of the CIA's technical services branch, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, to explore the world of black magic. Black magic. Actually, what a what an appropriate black magic. World. What an appropriate segment for this uh, this podcast with the gray man wizard and harness the forces of darkness and challenge the concept of the inner reaches of the mind are beyond reach. What does that mean? Harness the forces of darkness and challenge the concept that the inner reaches of the mind are beyond reach. As so part don't of
0: believe that the inner reaches of the mind are beyond reach?
2: Yeah. As part of Operation Often, Dr. Gottlieb and other CIA employees visited with and recruited fortune tellers, palm readers, clairvoyants, astrologists, mediums, psychics, specialists in demonology, witches and warlocks, Satanists, other occult practitioners, and more. Totally. There you go. That's it. Yep.
0: All right, let's roll to some voicemails. I got some voicemails, I think. I got to quit putting the voicemail in while it's on speaker because people are starting to try and guess the password.
1: you have two unheard messages to check unheard messages first unheard message hey what up baby well I love you guys show this Ryan calling out of St. Louis Missouri just wanted to say what's up You putting out that content let's go blues
2: (laughs) that's awesome
0: thanks Ryan
1: (laughs) to erase this message press 7 to save it
4: Let's go message Blues.
2: erased. Next message.
4: Go Blues. Hey,
2: boys. Love the
1: show. Been listening for a couple of
3: years. Uh, I'm down in Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, I just wanted to give you guys a little update on the 5G down here. It is absolute chaos. Basically, every two kilometers on the highway, you'll see a just ginormous 5G antenna set up. And then... Even they got the small cells. Every like every block's got their own little small cell in Boston, Richmond. And not a single person's talking about it. It's uh it's really out of this world. Not a single safety study done, it's uh it's a real head shaker, but uh love the show boys. Keep it up. Love you guys.
2: Wow. Thanks for the update from my old hometown. I mean, geez, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that Vancouver is a, and the lower mainland, the testing ground for this. Probably going full bore over there.
0: 5G'd. Those are getting 5G'd. We got another uh, Alberta number on the text line. Their favorite quote from episode 403. I'm not saying I want to fuck pigs, but. <laughs> See, that's not fair because there's a big butt after that. And it didn't allude to me wanting to fuck pigs at all. I don't think. Maybe I have to listen back.
2: Yeah, that was the hybrid uh, hybridization stuff we were talking about with Jindo. People
0: don't right? like that hybridization I stuff. Know, I started creepy. talking about that. People get fucking triggers. Oh yeah, totally. Well, <laughs> I, like I was it.
2: thinking about the other day about how it's. I we should almost okay. revisit that episode we did on because that it's kind of making sense. And
0: he was a doctor too.
2: Oh yeah. I mean it's not yeah. He had all those examples of all that and
0: we should follow up on that. That was a fun show. I mean you feel dirty when it's done, but I feel like it's important. Maybe that's
2: how new species are created. I mean, could be. I mean we seem off of nowhere. We seem piggish. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I have enough gas to get home. I pulled in here with eighteen kilometers left till empty. Oh you got lost. Twenty two kilometers to Chestermere.
2: Is it really? No. It's not that far. Well,
0: it was 22 when I checked from where I was, which was like at the light over here. So it's probably like 19.
2: Really? Is it that far?
0: It's going to be borderline. I'm hoping they're giving me a couple K. Yeah, they
2: will.
0: I didn't want to stop for gas. I didn't want to let you down. I didn't want to be later. later. Appreciate it. So should we get out of here then? Yeah, let's get out out of here. Do we have to
2: do, uh, we'll skip the,
0: we'll skip the quotes this week. We're tired at Sunday night. Yeah. We're slamming out bonus content for you guys.
2: Yeah, this is a good episode and
0: yeah, America.ca slash support. Do support the show. We do need you guys to do that. We gotta get that in. We gotta get our plug for ourselves in. America.ca slash support because we don't have any other supporters. And if you guys stop support, we'll be fucked.
2: Yep. Grab America.ca slash
0: support. We love you guys for it. Sign up for monthly today. Do a one time donation. Whatever's clever. Join the chats come and get this most of all enjoy this chat with the wizard himself Brett Yacobucci. with a heaven and I believe bro baby detailed never a material witness
2: out your head and you fellow canadian we've got brett Yakabuchi with us he's a wizard of course and the owner of unique perspective metaphysical neutral energy worker i don't know what else could i say paranormal investigator had all kinds of things there on your on your bio how's it going
3: yeah it's all great yourself
2: yeah not too bad yeah I, I definitely want to remember to talk to you about your video that you sent me the tunnel that's pretty pretty creepy stuff so
3: yeah, yeah, that's what, that was one of my fun ones way back in the day when I was learning.
2: Oh, really? How long ago was that?
3: That was probably, I want to say probably about. Uh, oh, Frank, thats probably twenty twelve or twenty eleven, probably.
2: Yeah. Okay. When you start, not, sort of, time. is that what happened? As you got into the paranormal investigating, and then moved on from there, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I've always had that that gut feeling, right? You know, I would always call it my gut feeling whenever anything was going to go wrong. You know, I'd have like this big ball of stress in my stomach and, you know, and then I'd sooner find out that through patterns, I would realize that, okay, I'm seeing when something bad's going to happen to people close to me. And yeah, then a whole bunch of things happened between then and now and you got you got me where I am today, yeah, I say a whole bunch because I could literally talk for days on it, so uh, yeah, I yeah, focus things down.
2: <laughs> so how do you how did you learn we talked about intuition here a lot? How did you learn how to trust your gut as intuition and not just uh like negative thoughts in your head or that type of thing
3: uh well, through experience, really, I mean, a lot of it came. Like, uh, to to be honest, when it all kind of started back in 2007 was when a really big series of events started happening. Um, basically, you know, my body was spot on the whole fucking time. I'm not sure if I could swear or not. I apologize yep, yeah, this. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not bad. Um,
3: uh, you know, the whole time, my body was spot on. I listened to it, did my thing. And I mean, I've always, I've always experienced it. I've always had those feelings. I've always had dreams and... And premonitions and that kind of stuff. And in 2007, a whole, whole slew of things happened that uh, started me on down the rabbit hole when there really wasn't a lot of people to talk about what I do and how I do it now. It wasn't widely as, it wasn't widely as uh, uh, accepted. And then, so I had to kind of go through trial and error. And okay, what did I feel? Okay, this didn't work. All right, so that that had nothing to do with it. So a lot of it was like journaling. A lot of it was doing like audio logs type thing of what I was feeling, what I was hearing, what I was experiencing, and how I how I went around about it. And that's how we learned how to trust it. It's just through straight trial and error, basically. And then I happened to meet a whole bunch of people throughout my journey, and some really helped me. You know, everybody helped me but some kind of stuck around longer than others and I had a lot of great teachers both corporeal and non-corporeal and I just I just basically went along for the ride
2: yeah nice so we're so the tunnel video if you want to stick with that was in that beginning part of the process
3: um it was probably it was closer to the beginning yes um and what i was doing with that was i ran a group called project Sirius ckw as in Sirius the constellation um and it was me and probably about five other people that we kind of traded in and out of and we were all energy workers but you know we use the gear like i have some of it here with me now like in behind me here you can't see it on camera but uh, that I that I bought myself, that I still use today, that I lend to paranormal teams when I'm consulting, when I'm doing things for them. Or if I'm doing, say, cleansing on a home myself and the, the client wants it recorded, I'll stick it on my tripod and have them kind of follow me around with it and set it in the corner of the room where I'm working. And sometimes you catch stuff, other times you don't. It's kind of, uh, if it chooses, that it wants to show itself, basically. And uh, that video there it was me and my primary partner that we went down there, and uh, it, it's a place down in Welland that I believe is completely sealed up now, and I, I, wish I hope it is, uh, because it was really unsafe, really stupid to go, but it was one hell of an experience. One hell of an experience. I mean, like we heard, because uh, it was an old tra- railway tunnel under the Welland Canal at that time. Yeah. And uh, and the it the, the was noted for, I think, I I did a whole history on it, but I can't remember right off the top of my head, but there's a good number of uh, crashes because the switches, when you switched on one side, it usually put a warning light on the other, but a couple of times it didn't, and then there's a whole bunch of head-on collisions right in the tunnel. Wow. Never mind all the people that died making the tunnel. And so it was just laden with voices and... We met another random group of people there, like kind of as they were finishing up, and they kind of walked in with us. And you know, the girls were experiencing like like what they what they heard was like kid giggles, and you know, and like you could see in the mud the pitter patter of feet walking around us, and and that specific thing. Like I put in originally three movies or three both twenty minute episodes together just for that as evidence videos. And I never show anybody anything, not even my partner, or my team. And then I said to my my partner, I go, I need you to look at this. I th- I feel like I'm missing something. And so, like he watched the first bit, and then literally like that that lat like that that clip that's on there. It's only like an eighth of a second long. That's it. Like that's all you see. And like I was just like, how could I miss that? I I don't know how I missed that before. But I was look, but there's so much audio, there's so much other video stuff in there that it was it was but to that day that is like the most short like short of a couple that are pretty close, that is the most damning evidence that I have caught on camera that I have yet to have anybody be able to debunk it because it's there and it then it wasn't. And then you hear in the spirit box afterwards that the shapeshifter ran us through after we all experienced feeling like we got run over by a freight train.
2: What did you see on the footage?
3: Uh, well, it started because the further back in the footage, you see, I come back across, like I didn't see it at the time, but I felt it. And so did my partner, and so did a couple of the others that were in the group there. And I come across, because I'm like, there's something back there. I could just follow my intuition when I was running the camera. And then, as I was coming back across it was all black in the background, and the beams came down so that even myself six three six foot two I had to to kind of duck down to go in underneath them and In a matter of that eighth of a second, you see this creature's head and then body and everything start to materialize out and then stand up, and then I, the camera goes back in behind the girl's shoulder, wow. And, uh, and like later on that night, like we went back in and out of the tunnel probably six or seven times. And, uh, basically at the end of it, this probably eight foot tall shimmer is the only way that I could call it at that point, but I know what it is now, but at that point, it was just this eight foot tall shimmer in the rain that walked out and stared us right up when we were sitting on top of the tunnel, taking a break before we made the trek back to the car. Wow. Literally killed every single battery that we had on us. Even the stuff in our bags killed every single battery. And he was a good, probably 60 feet away. So
0: was that video we were talking about earlier? Was that on YouTube or is that, yeah? what's the name of it? Just for, so our audience can go check that out quick. uh, It's on,
3: it's on my old, uh, YouTube channel, project serious CKW. Um, and it's called, um, I think it's demons or angels or something to that effect, but it's right on there. Okay. We'll link it on the show notes too. Yeah. It's like demons caught on tape or an alien caught on tape or something like that. And that's one of my more popular ones on the channel. So how long uh, is that tunnel? Um, the tunnel itself, I think goes for a couple of, uh, a couple of kilometers underneath the Welland canal down in Niagara region in Ontario. And, uh, there is a west entrance and an east entrance. We were at the east entrance when we caught it. We could only go so far in before the tracks and the railing and all the flooring was sunk down a couple of feet and it was filled with water. And it was, I think it was October-ish when we went, so we really didn't feel like getting drenched. And then still trying to do a 20-minute hike back to the car. Yeah. Like all wet. That That's just bad news.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned, you, you know, you think, you know, what the shimmer was now. So like later on, yes. looking back at that experience, like 10 years later or whatever it was, how, what do you think of it now?
3: Well, it's, it, to me, it's another day in the office now. Um, I mean, I deal it's with a what? Sorry? Far, another day in the office oh, yeah. because I deal with things like that all the time, remotely in person, obviously not in my own place. My own place is a fucking fortress. Um, I got like, when I bought this, I, I got it all right down to the studs, reinsulated, like took out all the old building material. And, uh, when you're doing energy work, it's not necessarily about using things like stones and crystals, Yeah, you know, like quartz and iron, my two, my two that I primarily use, they do help, excuse me, but it's about intentions that you put into the building and your energy and where you're living. And that, that plays far more of a thing, uh, far more of a, uh, difference in keeping things going and safe than yeah. having specific crystals or something set up
2: right.
3: and uh but yeah that that type of thing there they actually reached out to my partner and i a couple of years later because we both had the same dream of us being in that tunnel and we were both aware of one another in that tunnel and we were basically being asked for help to help keep that because there was one of the last I'm really going off the deep end here. I probably lost a lot of your listeners. No, there. no, no. Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> our listeners are
0: right with you.
3: And so, you know, through a bit of energy work, because I was, I was doing a lot of work in a lot of other real high-profile locations at the same time, so I was, I was kind of seeing patterns and naturally formed old doorways in between the realms, and that was one of the last remaining natural doorway in the area. And he was a shapeshifter that was tasked to guard that door. And so something was trying to come through and he couldn't handle it, so we reached out to my friend and I to kind of help him through that. So we did stuff and now there's about six of them in that tunnel doing that same thing because they need that much horsepower to keep that doorway safe. Wow. They're vicious buggers. I wouldn't dare run into them face-to-face, not unprepared, but You know, now it's like, oh, yeah, that's what you are. Okay, no problem. And then put out the specific type of energy, frequency, quantum, phase angles, however, whatever you need, and that then can disrupt their energy enough that you can either get away safely or you can calm them down a little bit so they'll talk to you in a civilized manner, which is what I try to do.
2: Huh. Is this like uh, Skinwalker-type stuff or what the natives would call... What are, what
0: are or they is use? it like what? the little ones that go on people's backs and make them gamble and stuff?
3: Uh, no, th- these guys here will just flat out kill you. What? These guys here—they're—they're they're just raw energy that will—they'll literally suck you dry of energy given half the chance.
0: Then you just have like a heart attack, or how would that present to the layman?
3: Uh, the whatever, whatever elements you have. So if you have a weak heart, probably heart attack. If you have something going on with your lungs, probably they'll target that. That, that's how they kind of keep their things safe. I mean, don't get me wrong; like, I, I they could probably—they haven't done anything to me, but I've been told by other people who have gone there, they feel like this clawed hand digging into their shoulder and yanking them back, or pushing them out of the tunnel sometimes. But uh I mean, now that's another day in the office. I deal with things far worse than them, and also far better. And it, it's all in the all in the day's work of a wizard. <laughs>
2: What kind of energy work then? How would you describe your energy work?
3: Um, what I, well, I call myself a neutral energy worker because it's kind of like yin-yang, right? I don't see things in light and dark, good or evil, black or white. Everything is a shade of gray. And it's about trying to understand where that energy is coming from. Understand how it interacts, what its purpose is you know, what, what's it, what its intentions are, how it operates and how it manifests. And so to do that, I couldn't just work with the light or the dark. I had to basically treat everything the same, give everything the same baseline and then work from there, whether you get respect or whether I got to knock you down a few pegs and then try and work with you to try and figure out what's going on. And so, I mean, it, It works for anything, not just entities. It works for dealing with human energies, residual energies, earth-based energies, extraterrestrial-based energies. Some require a bit more complicated and advanced understanding than others do, but at the same time, you know, you start where you're comfortable with and you work from there.
2: It's a little risky in that neutral spot, the negative attachments and,
3: you know, I I mean, mean, we... Yeah. I get more trouble from the light actually because they don't like someone riding that limbo. And yeah. yes, I have had attachments attached to me and do th- and really mess with my life. But because of that, they were all teachers. They were they all gave me the opportunity to figure out what I did wrong and fix it. And so I'm grateful for all of those. And believe it or not, I get more trouble from the light beings than I do from anything that's dark.
0: Is that because everyone thinks there's a there they're a light being these days?
3: Um, you're talking about the people who, who are call, yeah. call themselves light yeah. workers. And, yeah. Yeah. yep. Yeah. 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 Like they're because, muddying
0: the waters too much or how, can you kind of give us some context on that? Pardon? Like how, are, how, how they, cause I, I think that I kind of picked up. That's where you're going with that is that, you know, everyone's a light worker these days. So, yeah. just can you give us some examples on why that's how that's causing you grief? Causes me oh, grief
3: it too. Co- <laughs> it doesn't cause me grief. It it, it 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 creates a lot of entertainment for me, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, it to me, it's about education, right? And I like you can't necessarily see it, but my trail axe is there on the bottom of my rung on my sword rack there. Yep. And it's got my 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 motto in Norse runes. Wood burnt on one side and then the other side. It's two sentences, and it's without darkness, there is no light. And that statement alone, to me, is the very epitome of what everything is. Everything is that balance. Everything has good and bad aspects to it, and it's about balancing everything so that it all works together in harmony. Because if you don't have the downs when you have the ups,
2: you don't I'm know happy. you don't know you're up, yeah. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And that's how I carry it through. So then now, to go back to the original question, uh light workers and angels and light beings of any sort. Don't wrong. Now they kind of give me that respect in general. They generally and if you're a human that's giving me a hard time saying you're a light worker, you generally get told to back off or else. Um but At the same time, I've had people come up to me, you're doing the devil's work, you know, you're walking that line, you're dealing with Satan and God at the same time, and that kind of stuff. And other people are like, they don't even want to deal with me because I deal with both sides. Uh, But I just, I'm tolerant, I give them respect, even though they may be in my face about it, I'll turn around and I'll just be like, hey, listen, do I tell you how to do your job? Do I tell you how you feel you need to do your job? and they generally say well no i'm like okay well then please would you kindly go fly a kite and breathe some other air elsewhere hmm. you know and then if they still continue that's when i start throwing whatever their belief system is back at them and how flawed it is and then offer some constructive criticism as to how they can perhaps broaden their uh, broaden their perspective i don't like doing that but If you're going to be in my face about it though, then I can, I can throw dirt too, but I do it with a smile on my face.
2: Have you ever had to, uh, have you ever helped anybody with, um, incubus or succubus encounters, demonic shadow people, sleep paralysis, that kind of thing? Or if, if, if not, what, what would you recommend people do to, to deal with that?
3: Well, um, here's the thing. I'm bobbing a little bit because I'm having a few things starting to come in and I really don't want them to get in on me. Um, Truly, here's where I have to make some distinctions where a lot of people generally won't make these differences. There are the lower cast of what I would call a demon for the sakes of the show and the sakes of general terminology. Uh And they are humanoid, perhaps. They could be animal-shaped. They could be something that is grotesque, something that's beautiful, whatever the case may be. Uh, And they're generally trying to hook on and draw something off of someone, generally with uh, some sort of mental insecurities, some sort of illness, whatever the case may be. Uh, But then there's the ones that call themselves the true demons. They cannot be detected unless you know how to look for them. In other words, unless they willingly disclose who they are and what they do, they literally don't draw anything and they don't create anything. They are just voids of energy. And they're so subtle to pick up. And ultimately, they don't care what happens to us. They don't care what happens to the lower caste. They don't care what happens to the light beings. They don't care what happens to anybody. They just want to be left alone, live their life, which they generally do, but occasionally they, they get dropped out. But, uh, you know, I've had a few conversations with them and ones that I've had walk-in contracts with with living beings here on Earth. And um, they ultimately want us to destroy ourselves, but they don't want to help because they don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, but to how to deal with that kind of stuff? Basically, it's the same formula, whether I'm going in to do a cleansing, whether I'm going in to do a shaman cleansing, a uh, cleansing to assist uh, exorcists, to assist shamans, assist Haitian wish doctors, whoever it may be. And ultimately, in the end, it all starts with something that you as the person or the experiencer have going on that you're not dealing with that's drawing them to you. What do I mean by that? old childhood trauma, stuff that's locked away. If you have that little black box in your head that you can't get into, go and see somebody about dealing with that because they're drawn to that. They're drawn to whatever is this trauma or whatever this big negative experience is that you're trying to hide away and not dealing with. That's what they're drawn to. And you could have Reiki workers work with you. You could have individuals like me work with you. And that may give you a little bit of, piece for a very little time to give you that time to get that process started. But then ultimately, in the end, I've walked away from clients because I did a cleansing on their home, got everything set up, gave them the tools they needed and said, OK, I'll check back in with you in six months. See how you're doing. Here's what you need to do and gave them a list of what they need to do. And then I would get a call like a week or two later. You know, things are still pretty good, but I'm I'm still not. And you know, I'm still not 100%. So I'd work with them a little bit more. But then I'm like, have you gone and done the list I gave you? Oh, no, no, I, no, I haven't done that yet. So then six months later, they're calling me generally freaking out or something going on. And they're like, Wow, well, I need you to help. And I, I talk to the energies that are there. They created it. That very big black ball of traumatic energy created those beings in their, in their life again. So then, I flat out have to tell them, I'm like, I can't work with you because you're not willing to fix the problem within yourself.
2: Yeah. But some people have been through all the counseling; they think they've dealt yeah. with it. They think they've dealt with it, and yeah, maybe they have at some level, but it's not quite enough. Or
3: yeah, yeah, and that and that's when that's when you kind of need what I call focusing tools, right? You know, stones. You need somebody to kind of give you that little bit of a crutch for a little bit, so that you can take back your own space. Right. Because everything is about setting boundaries and ownership.
0: Yeah. So what's uh, what are some of the warning signs for if you've got some of that? Because there's probably a ton of people in our audience that would would be clueless if one of these things was was bugging them. What are sort of some of the telltale signs that you might have something hanging around pestering you, but you might not you might be putting it off as something else, you know, bad luck or bad mood or bad people or.
3: Well, I mean, like what those percentage, three things...
0: What percentage yeah. of that do you think is entity-based?
3: Well, here, here's where you have to make a distinction, right? Because the human mind is a very powerful thing. The, the subconscious little six-year-old that's in your head that controls everything doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. And so... Sometimes... It's you that's creating that stuff for your, within yourself. Whether it's a stressful situation, whether it's emotional, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is there is indeed something that's there, and it's just very subtly messing things up. And you hit it on the head. You, you know, generally bad luck. You know, you feel like nothing's working out because I know I had a I had to deal with something with the land where I was for that. Like nothing was working out for me until I rectified it with the land. And next thing I know, now all of a sudden, things are working for me. Right? Now, whether it's psychological that because I did something, it's now going to work right, or whether I actually did something with the land and changed it, it doesn't matter. As a hypnotherapist would say, because I, I, I learned how to do the cognitive side of what I do from a couple of hypnotists. It's, it doesn't matter whether it's real or not. If you believe it's real, it's real. And so you could have nothing wrong with you but if you believe that something's attached to you then something will be attached to you because your mind that little 6-year-old in your head's going to make it happen. And so a lot of it you know doing simple things like uh you know as silly as it may seem like opening up your windows and opening up your drapes on a nice sunny day. That'll uh, that 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 goes wonders for for get for keeping that Negative energy away because you have the sunlight, you get the vitamin D in your system, you know, all the number of different reasons. But yeah, I mean, really, like, there are some people who just have bad luck. Is it necessarily paranormal? I don't know. Is it maybe silly decisions they're making? Possibly. Is it bad, bad decisions they're making? Possibly. Is you know, but at the same time, there's a very fine line that's drawn there between the two, between entity based and the person's will. And so that's where you got to take the time to know, learn who they are, learn how they operate, and then see what's out of the spectrum and what's not. I mean, for me, I can look at a person, I can tell if something's going on almost right away, but that's just because I know what to look for to someone who doesn't know what to look for. You know, just be, be aware of your surroundings sometimes, you know, be, be, be aware of your emotional state, be aware of the others, uh, your emotional state that's around you, that kind of stuff. And that'll give you a good indicator of what's kind of happening in your own reality.
0: I like that analogy of the six-year-old in there looking out, pulling the levers. Because I mean, in the, in a lot of ways, that's what's going on. And you can talk that six-year, you can sort of get up in the morning, and uh, talk that six-year-old into whatever you want. You can talk yes. him into life is shitty. You can talk him into life is great. You can talk him into all sorts of stuff, and he's going to start pulling the levers. The levers. I mean, I mean, it, it's a it's a shitty thing to say. But, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of experience in my life of where, you know, the shitty day and the good day are really just a matter of perception and attitude. You know, two people can have the exact same fucking day. And, you know, one person's, it's the worst day ever, and the other person, it's the best day ever, and the only thing that's different is whatever's between the ears.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in, and like I said, because I... I Will admit, I used my intuition and my metaphysical abilities as an escape to help survive a very big destructive phase of my life. I, I don't like airing dirty laundry out on public forums, but, you know, well, let's just say there's a phase of my life that I needed to live in the metaphysical. And I had a lot of people ask, how can you be so happy when you have all this negative stuff going on in your life? You just, what you just said, I'm making the choice to be happy. I'm making the choice to see things in a good light because the negative is too overbearing. And so, you know, little did I know I was practicing a lot of that self-reprogramming, reframing as hypnotists call it, where you take that situation, you look at it, go, okay, why am I so upset by this? Learn from it change it to a positive experience, and then let it go. Right? That, that's, that's one of the many hypnotism ways to do it. And I'm very fortunate that I, I worked with those hypnotists. I can't be hypnotized myself, but they help they helped explain on a logical level why I do what I do and how I do it. And that's what I kind of pass on to the people I work with now, which is why I think it
2: Transmutation, really?
0: I got hypnotized on a show. Really? I couldn't open my eyes, remember? That motherfucker hypnotized us, we couldn't open our eyes. Yeah, me eyes.
2: too, yeah. He's yeah.
0: like, now open your eyes. They were, I couldn't open them up. They were <laughs> heavy. It took a minute. I got them open, but it took a minute. Cool. That's funny, going to transmutation two shows in a row. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, carry on. Or is <laughs> that, they're just having that state? No,
2: I mean, it's just, it, it's I've never heard of a transmutation that way, but that's really what that was, the hypnotist teaching you how to turn that negative experience, you know, acknowledge it well, and turn it That's a transmutation. Posit- I've one. never
0: considered that as a transmutation well, either. I don't it know it if it like would be, like but it seems like it. It's not transmutation. It's more just like
2: maybe re- re- reprogramming, really.
0: I mean, I guess that's what transmutation yeah. is. Yeah. Huh.
2: Mm-hmm. There you have it. So do you go, so you still do this for people then? You go in and uh, assist with things like exorcisms and shamanistic things and what what's some of the things you're into like lately
3: well i mean right now my life is very busy rebuilding yeah um i mean renovations working a lot spending as much time as i can with my kids yeah um what i do like i do still do that stuff when it's an emergency requirement and a team that i work with and i work with teams all over the world consulting independently uh but what i'm finding a lot of joy in doing which is what I'm spending some time in is going into locations that have never been investigated before, prepping them for a large public investigation and then doing that for charity. You know, it's being part of that. Cause so I have three people that I work with in, uh, in a, a, a little, lo- a location about an hour and a half or so from where I am. like, London, London, Ontario is where the, this, this group that I work with now. Yeah. you lived there. Other... Do you? Oh I yeah. Lived I, mean... I lived
0: there. I moved away from London, Ontario. Grade two. So that'd have been about 30, 30, 30 some years ago. 31, maybe beautiful city. I love it there.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's a lot of history there. That's one. Is of those. that where you are? No, no, it's no, an no, hour and half a half away.
0: Oh, because I'm yeah. going there for a wedding, what? May 2nd. I'm going to be in Toronto and London and Strathroy.
3: Oh, well, I mean, we, we could <laughs> we could maybe arrange a hookup at some point because May 2nd, I'll have to check my schedule, see when I have my kids. That's the biggest thing.
0: I'll have, the fr- um, I'll have a bit of time on the Friday and the Saturday, and I'll be down there. So, uh, yeah, maybe we could go grab a bite or, you know, check something out.
3: Yeah, well, there's a lot down there, and I have two... "Quote unquote students down there, and uh, another team that I work with that has a guy who's very well connected with all the big historical sites. And so last year we did a Noel Train Museum for charity. We raised I think like sixteen hundred dollars for them, it just in one big night of a single public investigation. Wow! And we're we're doing the same thing with another place out in Port Stanley, which is just a little south of London. Um, getting the site ready." We've gone back twice. I'd like to go back once more before the big investigation on March the 13th. Uh, but that one there, there's a lot. The, they had me and my my two other workers I work with down that way running around like chickens with a head cut off. It was entertaining, but it was also very like, wow, there's a lot here. So it it's poised to be a great night.
2: So what do you mean by prepping the the location? Like you're drawing them out and telling them there's going to be like a public event. So get your bells on.
3: <laughs> um, well, the thing is, is not a, like, here's an analogy. If you're a fully grown adult that's ever public spoken before in front of a group of 500 people, would you be able to do it? I that's mean,
0: first time sucks.
3: Yeah. So what you kind of have to do is you have to go in <laughs> You have to check and make sure, like, because with this old building, it was a town hall, it was a jail, it was a fire hall, it was a legion and something wow. else, and now yeah. it's a Now it's like a a stage play theater with a library attached to it. And so it's got a lot of different timelines. And what a lot of people forget to do when they do things like this is they forget to ask the building for permission to do it. It what? sounds silly. Do you have to do that? But a,
0: Is that something you should do anytime you do any sort of event?
3: Yeah, and any type of old historical building, you should be at the very least saying, hey, this is what I'd like to do. This is, you know, I I want your blessings in it. It sounds silly, but I have seen entire Paracons fail in Ontario because they didn't ask the location for permission. And that comes down to paying respect to the land paying respect to the energies on the land, paying respect to the ancestors, and, you know, however you want to see it.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to so, take that into our notebook because we do a couple of conferences a year. We better start asking these places. Well,
2: so. yeah, and we're going down in March to uh, kind of check out a location.
0: To, to ask the land if we can we build should. a Kami in there.
3: <laughs> yeah, um. well, especially especially when you start doing stuff like that, yeah. <laughs>
2: It's not just an investigation. We're uh, hunkering down. We're hunkering down. We might have to retreat
0: here. When we need podcast licenses, we'll need to go live on the commune in Washington.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good idea. You know, if it if it's a modern building, not so much. But for old places that have lots of character and lots of timelines that are that have attached to them. Probably a wise idea just even just to walk through the building and talk out loud. This is what I want to do. This is where this is where I want this. This is where I want that. Just so that you're putting the intentions at the very least out into the space. And whether it's the building that needs it or whether it's you that needs it, you're putting the energy intention out into the space. Yeah, yeah, that, and that makes sense. That's yeah. that's the important thing.
0: Yeah. Do you work with any like um, cleansing agents like sage or? What is it, Palo Santo, that wooden one I like so much? I love that stuff. Do you work with any of that sort of stuff?
3: I don't need it to do my work. That kind of stuff is more for the client's benefit.
0: Like guys like me.
3: Yeah, because the big part of doing anything in that regard is the belief of the homeowner or the building owner. Because if they don't believe that something's being done, then then their own subconscious mind won't help set up those boundaries and won't make it inaccessible to, to any other type of energy that's not invited. Right? I mean, I personally... I'm a big fan of you. I'm not sure how you'll be able to see this. Yeah, my, oh yeah, my, yeah. one of my many singing bowls. Yeah,
2: yeah. Love them.
3: I have Ting Shas as well.
0: Yeah, oh, we have all those things.
3: I have... Uh, Where are they? I have my... <laughs> I have. I have my box that has everything in it. Yeah. My, my runes tarot. This is all my saging stuff. Like I, I use mugwort. I, I do, I use very little sage. Um, I learned from a Wiccan high priestess about how effective mugwort is. Um, so I've used that ever since, and I have never had a problem with any place I go into. Cause when I go into it, I start off with, Now oh, what did I do with my quartz? Oh, there we go. Um, I start off with a Tibetan singing bowl for everything, and then you got to do it one way first to release the energies, and then you have to have another way to draw them into the singing bowl before you send them out. And you do that in every room. Generally, you do the whole floor at once, and then go back around in reverse direction and do it again in the other direction, obviously. And then I also have a mix of Can you tell I I prepared a little bit?
0: I got my didgeridoo. I heard that works a little bit, too.
3: This here. Oh, cocaine's in the of drug. No, it's not cocaine. I'm on my way! (laughs) (laughs) This used to be full. This was four kilos of my salt mixture that I had when I started way back when. This is what I have left.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you use salt.
3: It's uh, it's Mediterranean sea salt, a little bit of Himalayan sea salt, crushed tourmalion, crushed amethyst, uh, red brick dust, bone meal, uh, clay brick dust, a little bit of concrete crushed up in there too, and some sand.
0: Is that the stuff you like put across the door?
3: Uh, I actually put it in my smudging, believe it or not. I put a little sprinkle in my smudge and then it goes in when I smudge. But uh, yeah, there's been times when I've put that on windowsills for clients or across doorways. Uh, really, all you really need to do is you just need to build a perimeter. So if it's a very large space, I'll just have little um, like toothpaste, like, you know, like toothbrush cups like you get at the dentist, like little things like that. And just put a little bit and put it every so often in the corners and yeah, in places yeah. where, it won't, where it won't be disrupted and they'll yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. And like a little mouse trap. Yeah. Yeah, so, kind of. Yeah. 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 And you know, and another little thing you can do if you're not quite so into that kind of stuff is you can take onions and cut onions up and do the same thing. You
0: know, I've heard cut onions up. even help when you're like sick.
3: Yes. Yeah, if you take onions and uh slice an onion or put a slice of onion or like a half or a quarter of an onion and like put it on the bottom of your feet when you're sick and then put socks over it overnight. Generally the onions will be black when they come off, but it draws all the toxins out of your body.
0: Onions oh, love toxins and
3: I love onions. This is not it. good. No, I need. Mean, that's a very good thing. I, I eat a ton of onion. Okay, in everything
0: good. I, put, oh. I was wondering if I said I'm a toxin addict. <laughs>
3: No, no, it, it's very good at absorbing toxins when it's exposed to the air. And that and that, that's, again, another little random thing I do. I touch on everything, if you haven't noticed.
0: Yeah. So, while we're on the topic of salt, I spilt the salt yesterday. And I remember when I was a kid, whenever I spilt the salt, I always used to throw it over my right shoulder. But I stopped doing that. What... Uh, is that, is that like little superstition related to the salt warding off spirits?
3: Yes. Yeah, it comes from uh, some of the old European practices of, you, you know, there's always something looking to harm, harm you over your shoulder. So whenever you brought salt out, you just threw a pinch over your shoulder to, to ward it off.
0: Oh, and that like grew into when you spill the salt, it's from the spirits. So I did not throw any salt over my shoulder yesterday.
3: Well, Should if I? you believe it'll help, then it would help. If you believe it'll cause an issue, then it will be an issue. I'm cutting right? on the fence. I don't know. When Again, I, it's up here, right?
0: I better just... When I go home, I'll throw a little over just to be safe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're all tools. It's all tools, whatever works, right? Like that, that's, that, that's why I've done in my work so much research into the ancient religions, modern religions, and I mixed it all together... So that I can literally walk into a Muslim's house I can walk into a Catholic's house I can walk into a pagan's house I can walk into an atheist's house kind of an oxymoron if an atheist is calling me for a cleansing but that has happened so you know I like so that I can make it approachable for whatever belief system that individual has right because again it's that power of belief that makes it successful
2: yeah Take all the best little aspects of each one, and yeah put it together into your own practice too. I like that, yep, yeah,
3: yeah, and believe it or not, if you actually look at most of even the ancient religions, creation stories, they are all very much the same. You just have to maybe decipher some locations that are slightly different and names, but they are all essentially the same, so it, it kind of drew a great parallel, and then you know kind of the, some of the polytheistic belief systems they're a little more difficult, but then if you don't look at say Thor as a God or Zeus as a God and look at them from their way of trying to explain the world around them, then I mean, then that kind of simplifies things tremendously too. Cause you could look at that as aspects of their reality and aspects of their environment. They're observing.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So what about ETs then on that subject, CE fives yeah. and communicating with ETs? Is there a risk? Is it, uh, What's your feeling about that?
0: Still pulling on that thread, eh? Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Okay, just yeah. hold on. Spring's hold coming. on. Before I touch, before I touch on this, I have to do something. I did. I, yeah. I have to be very careful about how we speak with this. I have to be okay. very careful. Yeah, just yeah, give yeah,
2: me yeah. A Good, perfect. <laughs> yeah, take your time, because uh, we go out and see five all the time in Calgary here, and and uh, see lots of stuff. C E
3: five. is that a, is that a location that's known for a lot of like UFO activity?
2: No, we, well, we do have locations that are better than others sometimes, but CE five, just as in close encounters of the fifth kind, kind of just making, making your own contact type thing. But, but lately I've been having second thoughts and just sort of more, uh, hesitancy and, uh, and, uh, what would I say? Care, carefulness around that, you know, that maybe. You're scurred. It's not always, you know, a good thing to be trying to make contact with entities of whatever sort, spiritual or uh, spiritual or ET. I mean,
3: yeah. If, if you don't have the intuitive tools to be able to discern the energy that's out there, that's not recommended that that's something that you do for a fun pastime. Um, but I mean, like anything else, the reason why that I personally developed my everything is gray system, Mm -hmm. so to speak, is because I have found great compassion and love and respect out of what people would consider in a hostile ET race Mm -hmm. or a hostile extramental race. And then likewise, you know, in a race, you'd be like, Oh great. Yeah, he's here. He's a light being. And you just get smacked in the face by this like, energy that's like, get away from me, you're not welcome here type thing. It's like, what, I'm welcomed by the one that that's scary and grotesque and all these spikes and fangs and claws and the beautiful ones kicking me away? What the hell is this shit? You know, and so you know, it, it's about being careful. And as long as you set up now, I, I have to put a disclaimer here to anybody who's listening, if you are actively trying to connect with things, I am not liable for what I'm about to say. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. I just got told to say that, so I apologize. Um, if you do want to communicate with something, make sure you set very clear boundaries on what is acceptable and what is not. Like, right from the get-go. Then that's why the Wiccans and witches do rituals is because they need to build up that energy, that intention that safe space, that that circle of protection around them shamans do the same thing with the sacred circle, Um, the Egyptians I forget what they call it, they do something very similar, and so you know, ultimately as long as you set those intentions generally I say generally, very loosely here those intentions and boundaries are respected. There are a couple of races that, if I ever see with my own two eyes, or even see in my third eye, within a hundred kilometers of me, I am fucking hightailing it the other way because I am not equipped to handle that stuff, not on my own. And then there's other ones that there could be a thousand of them. And I'm like, oh hey guys, come on in, group hug, you know. But it's about setting those boundaries, it's about setting those intentions. I'm not saying don't do it. I've had like, I literally am hardly like I have to focus on being grounded some days because I keep getting drawn up or like where I was in, in uh, like where I grew up there, there was always lights in the sky. There's all these neat things that used to happen. Um, You know, I wrote a whole journal on it that ended up getting a couple of websites shut down and one ended up keeping up for a couple of years until lawsuit shut it down. Um, but you know, like anything else, there's the good and bad to each one of them. Certain ones are very warlike and very aggressive, but there's humans that do the same thing too. So I'm not going to generalize and say, don't do it, but make sure you set your intentions, set those boundaries right away before you even attempt any type of contact like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have protocols where we go out with loving intention and ask for loving you know, contact only that kind of stuff. But it's good to mm-hmm. know, it's good to remember to, to focus on that as well. And not just yeah. go out there and, you know, willy nilly.
0: That's why you need me around <laughs> because my, my non-belief maybe helps you with your <laughs> alien entities.
2: <laughs> Balance things out a little bit. Exactly. Yin and yang. I'm the yang. Yeah.
3: I'm the yang to your ying, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's important. And I, I've, when I ran a team, or when I'm out on a site, even though I have my workers that I trust that I work with, I like to have a skeptic on hand too because that's a very good thing to have. Someone that if you're getting too far out there, to kind of yank that chain back and go, "Okay, no, we need to bring, we need to dial this down a couple of notches, boys." Well, like
0: that's usually me. Yeah, <laughs> Graham likes to crank that shit up to eleven or twelve sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> we love them. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're <laughs> surrounded by. Where's our little? here's one of our? Have you ever seen something like this? What's this called, Grandma Sigil?
2: No, no it's oh. just a. It's no, it's just oh. a, It's a some artwork. Some. Yeah. But it's protection art. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. But it's a little more complex than that. It's just oh. uh, yeah. Probably not supposed to show anybody that. Oh, was, uh, you're um, not supposed to. No.
0: Oh. <laughs> Why don't you put like a I s- did. sign there that says "Don't show <laughs> this to anyone." I,
2: you can I see it on see the camera. I'm just kidding. I can see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, now to, to continue on that. I've learned to do my work incognito. I mean, you you can't see me very much, but I you know, I do because my tripod's quite high cuz I have a bit of a mess going on behind me, yeah. but like I have necklaces that I don't wear all the time. I do have a ta- a tattoo on my chest, and I plan to do a couple more. However, with that being said, can you guys still hear me, okay? Yeah. You bet. Okay, just about, just about pulled out my, uh, my mic converter on my phone. Um, you know, I, I have two things on me that are that are on all times on me, generally, to serve as reminders. Not these, because these draw too much attention. Actually, I have three things. I have one, my EDC pocket knife. That serves as my positive energy source because it's all metal. Two, my grounding device I have is my Zippo lighter. Usually it has fuel, lighter fuel in it. I don't smoke. I don't do any drugs. I have it for when I'm hiking. So I have a, four, four types of uh, fire starting, but also it's a grounding tool. And then lastly, nobody ever questions you when you're swinging a pocket watch in your hands as opposed to a pendulum. Something I found out, people look at you like you got three eyes when you're doing pendulum work in the middle of a mall with a pendulum, but nobody ever gives you a second look when you're swinging a pocket watch. <laughs> And
0: some of them are classy.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I had a really good one, and then I lost it in my move, and I don't know where it is. So I'm using just a cheap one that doesn't actually work, aside from just being a pendulum. It
2: just looks like um, It's a disguised pendulum. I like that.
3: Yeah. 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 And so, you know, but ultimately, a lot of people ask me, well, you need stones to have protections. No, you don't. I've put intentions and energy into my everyday items, so they have become my own protective devices, even though they're absolutely everyday items that I use.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
3: So that's something to keep in mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause you can like, I do complex bindings for protections for people, um, for sites, for things like that. That's if they believe it. I mean, cause if I draw a circle, you draw a circle, they may have, they may be physically circles, but the energy and intention that's put into that circle makes it that protective boom or whatever it is you want to do it.
0: So does it have to be inanimate? Like, could it be like, I feel like it shouldn't be a cell phone because there's like a lot going no. on in
3: there. <laughs> no, no, it's gotta be something that's a solid state without electricity kind of flowing through it for the most part. Right. Yeah, I agree. Cause uh, the electricity kind of disrupts some of that stuff as well as the radio waves and whatever else. So it's. So Are you
0: doable. sensitive to that? Like, Oh um, yeah. Like do you notice all the different Wi-Fi's and like, dude, you walk around with these fucking copper things in your hands, I forget what they're called. Dowsing runs. But you just like they're shooting all over the room with the little like electrical current this way, electrical current that way. I gotta wonder what that's doing to my brain.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that but that'll but that can be mitigated with your meditation, with your uh with chakra balancing and that kind of stuff. Cause then your body will learn to adapt to the energy fields that are around it and therefore it won't bother you as much.
2: Oh, that's interesting. It used
3: to, yeah, it used to really bother me. Uh, but now, not so much. I've learned how to be adaptive. Um, more so than not, as of probably two years ago, I've been hiding from a lot of things, actually, uh, because that has been my instructions to do so is don't be in the forefront with what I do metaphysically, but hide, so to speak. Be a gray man, kind of thing. If, if you're into the, the the whole survival and escaping invasion stuff. You guys know what a gray man is, right? Yeah. At least I hope. Yeah, I, I, yeah. uh, like a gray alien. No my, gray man.
2: My email used to be the gray is at home dot com.
0: I thought that's your your nickname's gray. <laughs> yeah, if you're I mean,
2: all dressed in
4: gray, no one can see both. you yeah. Yeah. when you look across the room. Yeah. Certain colors stand out, but gray doesn't. Okay is is that yeah. correct?
3: Yeah, that that that's the principle of it. And metaphysically, that just means that I don't give off a lot of energy. I keep it all to myself, and I blend in with the environment. And you don't um, suck wow. a lot of energy. Yeah, either, good yeah. spy. Yeah. Basically, and like because I got that thing from watching Escape and inv- Invasion, thing a whole series on how to become an effective gray man. And that's like really from like basically espionage and military, where if you're behind enemy lines, you know. So you don't stand out, you know, you wear clothes that are consistent with what's around you you drive with what's consistent, what's around you. You act like everybody else that's around you, wear nothing that's discernible. It's very boring, but if you have nothing that makes you remarkable, nobody will remember you. That's kind of what, what I've had to do the last couple of years metaphysically to to kind of keep myself and my loved ones safe. So
0: I'm probably good at that metaphysically. Not so good at that physically. (laughs) Hence the podcast.
2: So use the, use the, um, the pendulum a little bit and other readings as well. You mentioned tarot and runes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I do all that stuff and I do just straight readings as well. If that's got kind of stuff happens to come up, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Does my, uh, I I I had mentioned earlier. I'm not sure if you heard me. I got a didgeridoo. I play at home. I've heard that's kind of got the same qualities as a singing bowl.
3: A didgeridoo. Are you like blowing? It's like wow, wow, wow.
0: Oh, I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't do the circular breathing thing yet, but I could make it sound pretty good for a couple minutes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, all the natives they they had it right with using harmonics to heal to to create environment that promotes the body's natural healing that resonates with it all. And so, yeah, that if it is the, the, the musical instrument that I'm thinking it is, yes, that that's similar, has a similar effect because it creates, it creates that binaural beat and that's what's kind of needed to confuse your conscious self to let your subconscious self do its thing.
0: You know, what's interesting is uh, I ate some mushrooms on Saturday and I had the TV on. You know what it was? It was uh the world at night or whatever. It's this new National Geographic show. I just threw it on to have something in the background. And it's got this like very, very subtle background music. And I'm just hanging out, and when I got to a certain point, I've I can just pick out this fucking didgeridoo that's just subtly playing in the back of this National Geographic planet Earth fucking documentary. And I find myself just like focusing on that. focused, like nothing else in the world might as well be going on, except this subtle didgeridoo mixed in with a bunch of other stuff, and lions roaring, and everything else, and all I can hear is this fucking didgeridoo. Well, it's it really that's just something about that primal sound that really makes, especially when I'm on psychedelics, it really just seems like get right into my roots.
2: Boy, well, you remember when I was in that sober breath and. And music vision quest thing. Oh, and you that, cried? That did you? No, no, that no, wasn't the time. Yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> that didgeridoo pop, like started the Kundalini It popped my root chakra. And just that was what created, started the whole Kundalini I can totally feel that. What's yeah, that yeah. feel like a Kundalini it's thing? It's just like vibrating that. and flow of energy all the way up your chakra. Is that it's why like, you're
4: afraid yeah. to play the didgeridoo for us? I can't play the didgeridoo. <laughs> I'm no. not a musician. <laughs> I, I can't play, play a a busted shit
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of the Kundalini <laughs> arising. <laughs> Thought, but uh, that changed my life. When I think back on that, that I think that was like that—that that kundalini experience. That's kind of that what it
0: feels like—is just crawling up your back. Everything was vibrating. The
2: shocker you know, from my back. My been <laughs> sore
0: too. Maybe I stopped it, and I didn't let it finish.
4: Have you ever had a cranial sacral adjustment?
0: No. You should check know. that out. I want to. I'm da- I'm in.
2: Do you, you do up. that? <laughs> I'll hook you up. <laughs> do you do cranial sacral? We we'll get Darren over there uh, to do it.
3: <laughs> um. You do Reiki, I, right? I, I do. I do remote energy work, yeah, and things that are similar to Reiki. I don't have my certifications, but yeah, I do all that neat kind of stuff. So, but I more or less try to help you as the end client give you the tools you need to take care of yourself. It's horrible for repeat business. Because I'll see somebody for two or three months, and that's it. Then I don't ever see him again. But
2: that's good. You know, that's, that's, that'll, that'll people. all come back to you. That'll come back to you.
3: Yeah. Well, what sort of readings thing. do you do? Can you give us
2: a reading? Yeah, well, cause I, I'm, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about the rune reading because it's one of those things like I've always seen it and gone, ah, you know, but now I'm in the tarot a little bit more, but now that I'm into the Norse myths and the, the Vikings a little bit more and that part of that whole genre. Now I'm interested more in the, in the runes as well. So how can you well, explain I mean, how that works a little bit?
3: Well, runes and tarot and pendulum, they're all just tools that you can use to focus in on things, right? They're all focusing tools. Yeah. So when you're using them to do a proper intuitive reading, they're just helping you be directed in what you should be picking up on. Yeah. Because when I first started doing readings, I didn't use anything and it was hard to get what the person actually needed to know, right? Because that's, I do my readings a little differently, I will admit, because I'm more of a life coach and a protector than I am, say, this is going to happen to you in six months from now. You know, I touch on that a little bit, but the power of suggestion with that little six year old pulling all the levers is is really strong. So I could tell you six months, from now, hey, you know what? You're going to write a book. And if that's something that you've always wanted to do, well, guess what's going to happen in six months? You're going to write a short story and you're going to publish it because I put that suggestion in your head. Yeah. Right. And so it's a very fine line between doing divination and providing suggestion that, you know, you may or may not want. And so what I try to focus on in my readings generally is helping build a solid base so that doesn't matter what you do in the future. You have what you need now to build that solid foundation, because then you can build a mansion on that foundation or you can build the stick hut, whatever you so choose to do.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So give me an example of that. Like what would be something that I might learn from you to help build my foundation? Like, uh, like to work on something that I'm weak in to, to help the structure of one of those pillars, something like that.
3: Yeah. Something along those lines. I mean, sometimes things do just come right straight through Yeah, yeah. and I end up just doing a straight medium reading. Those are always fun. Um, I only ever once, not to go off topic, but I only ever once let something completely in, because I was doing an interview for a book, so I, like I'm in this one guy's book that he's now dead because he wouldn't shut up at an alien conference. Um, but great guy, and um, I, like he came to my house and I, he was doing like a, like an audio recording for an interview and writing stuff down at the same time and uh the 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 energy that he wanted to talk to was what I call salamander. He's like a looks like a six foot tall salamander that I work with that really helped me out with a lot of scientific things. And so he was trying to ask all these very specific questions that I wasn't able to translate the answers properly to. So then he just came right in and fucking kicked me out, and it was I. It was the most uncomfortable thing in the world, like literally like watching your body from third person. Talk and, wow. and respond to and respond to questions, and it was just so uncomfortable that I've never let anything in again since then. Wow! I will let. I will let something sit on my shoulder and chirp away, you know, or I may say, okay. But that was like a walk-in,
2: but that was like a walk-in type thing.
3: Well, because me and the salamander had to have, still have a very good relationship. So I know he wasn't going to harm me or do anything, but he just, he, what he's getting frustrated that I wasn't translating the answers appropriately.
2: So then did so did that shift your your means of communication with the guy asking questions like did you oh, answer funny. differently what did he say after that
3: I I have a digital copy of the book and in my chapter you can see where it's me Yeah and then where the salamander takes over it's extremely articulate extremely scientific extremely technical sometimes like only two like very obscure words with spaces in between Like I like and I'm reading this like after after he published it. I'm going, Oh fuck. Okay.
2: Did you remember saying that that even? No.
3: No, like all all I remember is like watching my body talk when I'm not there. Like interesting. I was since then never again have let anything all the way in.
0: Right. That reminds me of like being John Malkovich. It seemed fucking terrible for John Malkovich, too. It never seemed like he was having fun when they took over.
3: No, no, it's not. And, like, I hurt for weeks afterwards because that was one of the first times that happened. And, uh, yeah, no thank you. No thank you, not again. But anyways, okay, so I do have my rune sack here. Yeah. Handmade by myself, you know. not highest quality, but that's
2: that's not a rune sack there. that's a can- kangaroo nut nutsack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: ruined for it ruined the kangaroos day. There we oh go. Is that a there real we is go. that that's there not we a real nutsack? So I've been waiting That's not a that. real nut sack though, is it? It says genuine oh, kangaroo scrotum. Plan. Plan. Yeah, uh, maybe.
3: Oh Welcome to Grammar. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so normally I lay these out, but so I'm just going to do this very informally. Yeah, 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 for
2: sure. Yeah. Is
3: that a G? So this rune here. We can see it better if you hold it back a little. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there you go. Back a bit. Yeah, right that's there. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's good right there. Right
3: yeah. there? Yeah. Okay. So, in terms of kind of something that you might want to look for, I'm just going to read these like a book, generally see what's all written. So, it's going to be a surprise as much as for you as it is for me. Um, this rune here represents. Seeking things that are hidden or finding light in dark places. And this rune here has a very strong power, especially with what is going on with you, Grant, um, about just opening up about. uh, I mean, you've kind of answered a few things. And, you know, when you said, oh, maybe you might be able to do a rune read somewhere along the way. um, That's the very first thing that came to mind is that you're trying to learn and find things for yourself. Yep. And and then the next one. Oh, wow. Okay. So this rune here is intentionally blank on both sides. Wow. Okay. It represents fate. It represents destiny. It represents that basically you have to be where you are now for a very, very specific purpose. And I think you have an idea what that purpose is, but you're just not sure how to get from point A to point B. But now, I think that, there we go. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I only have a very little, small corner on my side. Yeah. So, this rune here is Kenez, and in order to be able to help find what is hidden to you, you need to be open to a lot of new experiences, be out of your comfort zone severely for a lot of things, both positive and negative. And with that being said, that will then, now, if I have a feeling what's coming up next, yeah, that works too. That will then put you, this rune here is Theris, or basically representative of Thor's hammer. Right? That's kind of where this kind of is in one of the Norse translations was Thor's hammer. And this was always put on Norse weapons before battle, before uh any any type of stuff like that. And this this rune here just basically represents that as you're going through this this transition, as you're going through that your your journey, your experiences, the people you meet, specifically some of the people you meet will help put you in contact with the right people so that you can end up pursuing your uh, your goals that you're looking for. Which will in the end there we go. This this is the rune for resilience and uh, resilience and uh, um, I'm being told to read it slightly different for you. Of resilience and just being more sure of yourself and more sure of your reality. Okay. The rune itself means about resilience and and recovery, but you know I think you do a lot of questioning about yourself and your reality and everything that's happening now is happening in such a way that it's teaching you lessons. It's trying to, to give you what you need to to give you the tools that you need to be equipped to handle what's what's going on. Very cool. Sounds awesome. There you have it. Yeah.
2: So that was for and, me, uh, not not for Darren. That was for me, right? Yeah. Oh, what, yeah. What's that? And
3: that last room there yeah. is about just slow and steady progress. Yeah. About yeah. a positive outcome, but it's not going to come easy.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So it's it can be used similar to tarot where you're doing sort of like past, present, and and future, or
3: answering uh, yeah, a question runes, like that. Yeah. Runes themselves. I mean, I have my tarot deck here too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Ooh, can I have a tarot?
3: If you want a tarot? I'll Oh, ta- uh, no, you can't. Okay. You cannot have a tarot. You can <laughs> have a reading with tarot. Read but you cannot.
0: What ones I have some at home. I used them once or twice, but honestly it just feels weird, so I just stopped. <laughs> uh it,
4: <laughs> Are they like Disney princess or no, are they like, oracle the cards? Probably oracle
0: or... cards that got sent to the studio. Oh, I'll take the, those. Those so are the Viking. Those are the Norse ones. ones. I use them once in a while. But those I just are the Norse ones. Like he'd, I, he'd probably. I don't love those feel like I know what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's, yeah. that's understandable. Do you just, just got to get past. That? Yeah, you got right? yeah. to get past that. Not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. That's a natural feeling. I think that's the way I felt first looking at those. But it's just well, believe where do you get believe it
3: or not. I, my first, when I got runes, I started with runes and ran with them for four years before I ever got these. Oh, wow. And I, and how I got started in the runes was just randomly. I'm like, hmm, metaphysical divination techniques. Let's Google rune readings. And the guy did his whole spread, and I understood what his spread was before he even actually did his reading. Wow. And so then that's why I went with runes. But unfortunately, not many people are comfortable with getting rune readings. Everybody loves the pretty pictures on these. This camera is so dirty, it probably isn't. No, it's got
2: it right there, the fool. Is
3: that mine? (laughs) Oh, I I haven't shuffled yet. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) So you can't get that one twice in a row. There's no way that's going to (laughs) pop up now.
3: You never know. Well, that's Graham.
4: You said you were a jester in a past life. Oh, yeah. You remembered that. that I think so. Yeah, it could be.
2: Who
3: wants to be a jester in
0: the new life?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's about taking life not too seriously in this world because it is a very serious world, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's a very dark world, but it's also got a lot of beauty and a lot of positivity in it as well. If it all depends on your perspective, you choose to look at it. Yeah, exactly. It's all about love, baby.
2: Especially nowadays, when we're just bombarded by different uh, energies.
0: Yeah, bad news all day, every yeah. day. Are yeah. Oh, you having a good day, coronavirus, motherfucker? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sick of that shit. No, I, I think it. I think it's CV 19 now, or something like that. Oh, it's so it's switched to H
0: one N one. That's good. It usually goes to that right before it disappears. So this is good. It's following a good
4: COVID nineteen.
0: Usually when, well, usually when it goes to a The numbering system That's like their Well
4: the who is involved They came up with that
0: Oh perfect That's right before it disappears And it's politically
4: correct Because the other way was Oh is that the problem It
0: was racist against Mexicans Mm -hmm. I don't know Against
4: beer I didn't read enough of the article
2: Okay let's Let's Uh, not interrupt him anymore here
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh okay All right. I needed that to break that Okay Oh, thank you guys. Thank you very much.
0: That's what we're here for.
3: <laughs> okay, so now, these cards uh, were set aside when I bought my rune deck, or my rune set, and the lady held on to them for four years. So there's a lot of different aspects to this. So I'm going to do the same thing as what I did with Graham. I'm just going to kind of read them off one by one, with kind of read them like a book as best I can. And so this card here... Mind you, I have no official training in tarot. That's okay. I just, I just do it. I just—it's completely intuitive. I trust you, and so—well, that's your first problem right there. <laughs> uh, but just kidding. Um, so this card here, whenever I look at it, and first thing I got it was—is just about travel. It's about change. It's about. You know, being in a transition currently, I mean, technically we're always in transition, but some choose to stay in a spot and not move. You, on the other hand, are attempting to move. You just may not. You're adapting to every situation. The blue, you can't really see it, at least not with the lighting.
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, we can see it. It's okay.
3: It's got a blue border around it, which represents the element of water. And water, as we all know, fits to adjust in whatever vessel it's in right so in your current transition your current phase you're you're moving through you understand that you need to change you understand that you have to change and you're doing your best to facilitate those such changes wow Mm. and so in here this one here oh can you see that one okay yeah
2: the lover's
3: yeah, this, here, this deck has Norse references, Native references, Middle Eastern references, Hindu references, European, Runes, um, Zodiac, Hebrew Ooh. Zodiac, I Ching, Roman numerals and numbers as well as elements as well. Wow,
2: it fits with your, your neutral style?
3: Yep, it, that's why the, the witch that I got her from, that she's so passionately likes being called, set them aside. It's apparently a very hard deck to get. Uh, but anyways... So this card here, this card here represents the struggle, the internal struggle of what you need to do versus what you want to do, and I, always, this is kind of the way I kind of, when I first saw you, I kind of see that you want to do something, but it quite often conflicts what you feel you need to do, and this card here is a very good representation of that, you have both on both sides, you got one, make sure I'm reading this right, usually I'm looking down at them. Uh, You got this one here where you got the lady with, like, the rose over her head, or the person with the rose over their head. Kind of things are going right. And then you got this person here that looks very chaotic and very disheveled, I guess is the right way to say it. And, ooh, this rune up here. I love this deck because I've drawn everything on the cards given half the chance. This rune up here is important, too. This rune is the rune of... uh, it literally means, if you want to look at a book, it literally means to you're going to get some new positive influences in your life through this, this bit of a transition that's going back and forth, hmm. which is important. That is important. Okay. Now, this card here. I really got to work on better lighting.
2: No, no, it's um, all good, yeah.
3: Well, because like I, I, like yeah, well, that it's you're 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 gonna basically be shedding the old ways that weren't functioning, and the old ways and behaviors that weren't helping you. You're gonna be shedding those away as you're going through this transition, as you're making your changes, and you're gonna do so, and you should mourn them because they served you for the purposes that they served you while they were there. And perfect example is like I had to dis- disassociate from my emotions to help survive the, that phase of my life that things were going really badly in. That no longer serves me now that I'm out of that scenario. So now I'm trying to get reconnect with my emotions again, which is, ta- which is a lot harder than it is, as an example. I, I was told to share that as an example, so it's probably some relevance to things that are going on with you.
4: So that was the three of swords. Yeah. And the one before yep. it was the lovers. Yeah. And the first one was the chariot for anyone that's just yes. listening on a podcast.
3: Yes. Okay. I, I, I apologize. I, I'm catering. Completely no, no, to no, no, video. that's
4: okay. I'm sorry.
3: I the live just, okay. readings
0: don't translate well to audio, but we're here for our, us. So we do <laughs> so the I podcast for our unselfish purposes.
3: Okay. So then in, in going with that, you have the Empress card oh, that came up. Nice. Um, but this one here, in your instance, normally reads like you're going to come into like your metaphysical abilities. But in this case, you're probably going to be tapping into your subconscious mind that's going to help you understand things the way you should be a bit more understanding and open to how you, how you might be closed off. And I generally say that because as you start up at the top here of the card, you got like, kind of like what you could think of, like the source energy, a big ball of source energy which then is filtered by a triangle that uh, then moves down to, I think, what has she got? Yeah, there's a gem on the top of the lady that then goes down to the lady, who's then on the water, leading back into the doorway. So it's all about that transference of energy from what you know into practical application. Excellent. And it's earth element as well, which means that you get out what? You put what you, you basically reap what you sow because the earth is always there. It's always willing to give, but you generally have to do work for it before you get the, before you end up doing what you're, before you're getting the rewards.
0: That's like my specialty. It's doing <laughs> a bunch of work that'll hopefully pay off later.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being drawn to do one more and it's, uh, nine know, cups. oracle cups. Oh, I yep, thought I ten knew of ten,
2: 10 of 10 of cups, 10 of cups.
3: Ten of cups or success on the bottom. If it, you know, it's got a bit of Oracle based stuff to it as well. And so basically as you go all through of that, yes, it might suck. Yes, it might end up being um a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs first, right? And so you know, it, it'll it'll end up serving you and developing new practices and new networks that you're That'll that'll serve you very well
0: well that was pretty crazy lines up pretty well with the last year of my life i actually like feel like in that reading i'm closer to the end of it which is encouraging if it works like that
3: yeah i i, I generally have a whole big spread of about 16 cards that i read first i call it the shotgun spread uh but i was just i was just literally reading these as i as if i was reading a book so yeah Awesome. As long as you guys found the relevance to it, that's the main thing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy.
2: One thing I do want to ask you. after yeah, they came in is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really fits with where where what Darren's going through right now. It really does. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And thanks for and, sharing and your pr- rare deck. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, and if anybody still wants to look it up, because I know Graham, you'll probably want to look it up. It's uh the Heindel deck. H A. Oh. A H A I N D L H A I N D L Tarot is what okay. the deck's called.
2: Awesome. All right, thanks.
3: It's a it's apparently a rare deck. I don't know. Just every time someone who knows Tarot sees it, they're like, "Oh, you got that deck?" Yeah. So,
2: well, it kind of makes sense that it's got so much in it. So many different Oh yeah, it's great, you know, Cultures sure. and
3: well, like you literally don't need another deck. And if I ever lose runes, I just pull the cards out that have the runes on it, and I can use it for runes or I can use it for eaching, um, which is a fun divination technique from the Asians. But yeah, it's, each yeah. reading each reading takes about an hour and a half to do.
0: It's the America of tarot cards, just a melting pot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so before we go, though, I, I want—I do want to. These guys, these guys might lose interest, but I don't care. But we got to talk a little D and D because oh, I know you played a oh. little Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I mean, I'm just interested yep. in the context of, like, how how it's representing itself in our culture, or maybe even how you know does it influence our culture i mean cuz it's got a pretty deep meaningful aspect to me from when i learned it as a kid and then came back to it after doing the podcast for like 5 6 years talking about all these mysteries and phenomena experiencing stuff myself going from a you know even a little atheist period or skeptical period in my life to more of a believer and it just it just sort of so much of it parallels reality that you know as a kid i'd never realized but now as i'm an adult and playing again it feels like it's got a deeper meaning or or even even i i even feel like it's got a people are interested in it because this tolkien-esque like i think there's a genetic memory in us or something from the time when there was giants and hobbits i mean there's evidence of a lot of this stuff too and magic and yeah. dragons or whatever way back when you know that that was a part of our ancient history at some point
3: yeah yeah well i mean like i i started playing probably about a year and a half ago i mean i do dm once in a while and i did have uh i did have plans to do a like a youtube campaign but yeah. uh yeah. time constraints are going to prevent that from going anywhere right yeah, now yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's a tough you know, commitment. Some, that's yeah. It is. It is. And even DMing, I I prefer to DM one shots cause I can come up with them just like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like for me, it's, it's a neat way to be able to, uh, take some of what I know of past lives and put them into a character and play that character as I believe I remember them. Right. So it, it's made for a few really neat type character types where, you know, one's just run in and smash, the other one is, you know, hey, let's control the battlefield and making people think there's something there, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And all this all this kind of stuff I draw parallels to what I've brought together in my own life is the mastery of self, the mastery of my, my environment, the mastery of my own mind, my own energy. And it's neat because, you know, it it has become socially acceptable and... You know, like, you got all these big shows now that are literally breaking in millions of dollars off it, like Critical Role and all those other ones out yeah, there, not yeah. to name drop. But yeah. I personally can't stand them because they're too commercialized and too syndicized. Yeah. Syndicized? Syndicated, Syndicated? maybe. There we go. Yeah. yeah, There we go. You can tell I'm starting to get tired when. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't sit and watch them for 40 minutes or an hour or, or four or six hours like they do. You know, I I can play for about four hours and then I'm done because my brain is pooch, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um yeah. you know, it it's it's neat to see how something that used to be like for nerds only and geeks only back in the day. Like you got these big like burly and really good hot like hot looking women and burly muscle, like you know, the the like the action stars playing it. Yeah. And you're like, What? Yeah. They're playing it and that's probably helping steamroll things in with it too. Yeah, so. for sure.
2: What about more of the metaphysical aspect, like egregores or or shifting? Like what if people focusing on these archetypes and adventures well, and mysteries and even the demons, the, the that kind of stuff, like, you yeah. know, is, well, it, is mean, it opening anything up? Is it like, is there any weird philosophies around that?
3: I mean, to me... I like making my one shots and campaigns based on my own metaphysical experiences, and I may take a monster out of the book and reskin it to look at something, make it look a little more something along the lines of what I what I experienced. Yeah. And translate that into an experience for my players. Yeah. Because a few of them, a few of my one shots, one or two of them are like, "Where did you come up with this? This is pretty <laughs> fucked up." I, I'm just like up here you know and so like that like that's to me that's that's my biggest thing is it's a way of telling my experiences or allowing other people to run through what i was going through yeah but it's done in a fantasy world where it's safe to do so yeah where where there's really no consequence if you go murder hoboing or if you end up just yeah playing the game the way it's supposed to right yeah it's know, murder it's so, what the
2: it's fuck? It's just like you run around killing things. Like you're in. Isn't that what you're doing, Mr. Vampire? No, just we're been just... on a
0: vampire fucking kill streak for three. <laughs> it's been. A, it's been two years. You've been a fucking vampire. No,
2: just we a... have to save the <laughs> humans. Still
4: vampire? They're
0: vampires. They're all vampires. <laughs> This is this is it, because. and that's their
2: strategy. That's is just it. to bleed them dry. And no, them no, no! Like you have to
0: for a couple hours, fuck shit up.
2: We have to save the world in order to suck the blood of the world in a way, right? I mean, it's it's a it's so a it's tricky earth. it's a
4: tricky scenario. So you're a politician in your, <laughs> yeah. in your role. Yeah.
2: Yeah. you know, we're kind of technically evil, but we have to save the yeah. world because if if we yeah. if we lose the world to the undead necromancer type thing then we're we've got enough no food left
4: so you're a democrat
2: we're stuck
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the voice behind the camera oh
4: yeah 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 uh, i'm yeah. having a good time listening to you too so. yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's very oh. interesting yeah uh, thanks for yeah, sharing it that is it,
3: oh no and you know, and I hope to be able to maybe get back to, to putting the YouTube thing together because I think it would make a very compelling story, but yeah. it's just like, that might be a next year thing after I'm done doing renovations on my house, right? Yeah, but it's I it's mean, a
2: lot of work, dude. I mean, we talked about doing it as a podcast too, and it's uh, it takes a lot of editing and a lot of work, and it's it's tough. Yeah. yeah. You got to have the right well, mix of mentioned- players, the right type of, you know, it's... yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, maybe we could finally wire up the D and D table in the new
2: space. Yeah. Just have a table yeah. in
0: the corner, with some cameras and maybe it's time to take that D and D shit to the next level.
2: Being a DM sounds like a lot of fun.
0: I just want to produce yeah, it.
2: I kind of like to play more. I mean, I do DM, I DM one shots as well and some small stuff, but it's a little more stressful. Like, you know, it's all, it's all on you to run the story and, and, and make the players have fun or, or enable them to have fun. And, and, uh, yeah it's 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 okay I uh, but i, no I kind of like I, being I'd a play. player. Yeah. but i'd I, like to bring I, their, I, I their like struggle both. to the world yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I'd i like love both to i prefer I,
3: I i love being a dm personally because i usually end up running npcs that have the most colorful personalities yeah. that go along with the group yeah but uh you know like in my one one shot basically like one of the guys ended up winning a barbarian of all things that loved to drum and rap even though i had like minus two charisma um hilarious he played his character to a t it was awesome um but anyways and so you know he ended up winning an arm wrestling match and he got like a cursed item that was unbeknownst to him leading like a robot army towards wherever the item was right and um you know all the way through i had i had little hints like you're hearing ticking and you're sleeping and you know you're hearing and so finally they attacked and they're on the third floor of a goblin brothel. Okay. A goblin brothel. What are you doing on
0: the that... goblin brothel?
3: Well one, of them we tried to...
0: <laughs>
3: well, one of them attempted to make some beer and got half of them sick, so he slept out in the barn. Uh, the other one ended up working the stripper pole, even though he was a butt-ugly orc and still managed to make a lot of money at it. And another one shivved two people without anybody realizing it before disappearing into bed. So they were trying to find a way to get rid of this item because someone had said they knew how to get rid of it at this goblin brothel, ultimately. And so, you know, they wake up to hearing all this noise. And I'm like to this gentleman, I'm like, "Okay, you hear this alarm going off in your head. What do you do? He goes, how thick are the walls? I'm like, okay, I'm assuming you're raging. He had 19 strength. He rolled really well for his strength. And um, he goes, okay. So I had him roll to see if he could bust through the wall, natural 20. So he literally busted through the wall and fell 30 feet. And then he got up and started just grabbing robots and chucking them at one another. He didn't use his sword, you know. And then the mage was trying to light the brothel on fire. She was pissed off that she got stuck out in the stable all night long and I, I was just like guys there's a war going on but that's the fun of it yeah. you know it's Yeah, not oh, necessarily yeah. direct not directing things yeah. but kind of giving yeah. them the options and yeah making yeah. a making world around it right? yeah exactly
2: yeah that's i kind of do that in my real life though <laughs>
3: <laughs> true
2: <laughs> darren darren might like it a little more than he thinks but
0: i have no time to be yeah. addicted to D like yeah. you guys <laughs> I'm not saying you're addicted to D&D, but this fucking guy's playing D&D three nights a week. No, no,
2: no. No.
3: You're down to two? No. Yeah,
2: one or two. (laughs) Isn't denial the first Uh, time? I
3: I do it about once a month if I'm lucky. Yeah. So. There
2: you go. We're in in a good long campaign. It's been awesome. It's been years.
3: Vampires for years.
2: Yeah. Well, they're Eternal. Anyways, nice. yeah, good it. to chat about it, this for sure.
0: Going we'll be doing show 4,000. Gotta be fucking vampires still.
4: Maybe we're the undead already. <laughs>
0: this is it. Never know. Oh, never never know, know, right? Well, I suppose that's as good a spot as any to wrap it up. Brett the Wizard, thank you very much for coming on the show. I've had a fantastic time.
3: Thank you. It was nice talking to you guys, and I had laughs while talking about some really dark stuff, too. So Yeah, exactly. So it was all good. It, it, it's a very good combination. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
2: No problem. We'll put all your shit in the show notes, uh, your website there, and that YouTube video, and maybe Darren can hook up with you when he's...
3: I'll give you a call.
0: I'll shoot you a t- an email when I'm on my way down to the dirty south and see what's going on.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely meet up with you as long as my schedule permits it. Sounds and I mean, good. I could pro- I could probably have you hook up with a couple of my paranormal contacts down that way, too, and we can make a whole spectacle of it, but...
0: Maybe they come to the wedding and we'll fucking freak everyone out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do a public event at the wedding. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> We'd have the ghost hunters come in, all the stuff, crash
4: the wedding yeah. with a bunch of paranormals. Absolutely.
0: Okay, Brett, we'll let you get to sleep, sir. Thank you very much for staying up late for us.
3: No problem. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah. It's been fun. Thanks, Absolutely. Buddy. Have a great night. Nice to
4: meet you. Thanks. <laughs>
2: That was our show with Brett Yacobucci. Yacobucci. That was a fun one. Yeah. You know,
0: kind of started slow, I found. Yeah. Really picked up some steam there, and we had a fantastic fucking time. Time flew by. The chats were loving it. We got a bunch of No Agenda folks in the chats tonight. I'm not sure why. Oh, that's weird. Baron Von Taco Cat, No Agenda Show (laughs) video. Mr. Owls in there, of course, and you know it's funny we got a donation from uh, Sir Matau today, Matthew wow, Metau, awesome. whatever it is. I'm not sure, but anyway, yeah. Uh, big thanks to Brett for coming on the show. That was uh, fun. That was a fun one. Yeah, I really enjoyed the reading. Yep. How was your reading? It was great. Yeah, my yep. reading was uh, great too. I must say, I can
2: never. Pi- I can't picture how to how anybody does that. Really, like I could never. I don't feel like I could ever. Readings, Like I'll do them for myself a little bit, but I can never just do that to like somebody I just met, like give them a reading.
4: Well, you have to start doing them a lot. You do yeah. them for everybody. Like all the time, you just give them away all the time. And the more and more you begin to cards come up and you ask people if it works for them, you have to read the book as you do it. Yeah, of course, yeah, until yeah, you get yeah, it. But yeah. after you've read like a dozen books, you know, it just kind of comes natural. You start to learn what certain numbers, frequencies are. Yeah. What, what, you know all about the archetypes, right? Yeah. Have you gotten into Joseph Campbell and all the archetypes Yeah, a little stuff? bit, yeah. yeah. For me, that helped. Yeah.
2: You yeah. could do it. Nah. Nah, fuck it. I don't it. know. I don't think so. Maybe uh, the runes. I might well, get hey, the runes well, you You're more you the interviewer. Can, you think you can't?
0: You're right. Nah, I know. Exactly. He is the interviewer. He's great at interviewing. Yeah. I'm comic relief. My job is to make him laugh so Graham can hit him with the questions. Perfect. <laughs> so anyway... Uh Big thanks to you guys for listening. Big thanks to Brett for coming on the show. Big thanks to Michael for coming by to see us. Yes, this is live, Billy Elliot. Uh big thanks to all you motherfuckers for tuning in, for supporting the show. We couldn't do this show without you. We're like, what, 403, 404, 405 shows into this crazy experiment and uh just keeps going grammerica.ca slash support. If you have found a little bit of value from the 400 and some odd podcasts we've thrown your way absolutely for free, head over to grammerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly of any level today. Do a one-time donation. That might even get you access to it. We got a little, a little reward feed for our supporters. It's got 40 or 50 episodes in there as well. You get access to those right away. We'll get some colors in the chats. Grammerica.ca slash chats. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. We love you guys, and we love it when you support us even more. And we need the support because it shows that you love us back. Uh, hi, dudes. I'm watching in Ireland. When is the Ireland Shroom Tour? Uh, looks Ooh. like July 2021. I don't know if we'll make it to Ireland. You might have to come up to the UK. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, gramerica.ca slash support. Do all the stuff in the show notes, spam gram, review the show. Check out contact at the cabin.com so you can see a bunch of sold out signs. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
1: I'm walking gingerly through the red race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves Oh, how they navel-gaze Somewhere over that hill The gloomy skies cease to exist I'm climbing that hill I pass by And pity the poor Sisyphus I go into hyperdrive Turn into a beam of light I'm strolling down a static electric avenue The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream Forever young with no chronology a thousand years from now will be written into ancient mythology We go into hyperdrive and turn into a beam of light Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place a little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul take a look at the big old smile on my face my angel says dance with me and your life will never ever ever be dull i go into hyperdrive turn into a beam of light 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 turn into a beam of light.